0: Welcome to Zichur Daf remember Abraham Goldar, and Dei Masech HaSgitin, Daf Mem the 4th parak HaShaleach. The Zichur Masech Giddin program has been generously sponsored by Zech Khaya Hadas Hadass Basender. So the we are going to focus on them, the more relates an incident where a slave once fled from his master who lived in Chutzlard to Eretz Yisrael. When the master came to bring him back, Rabbi Ami told him to free him and the slave would pay his value, because he could not force him to leave Eretz Yisrael. This is based on a drusher of Rabbi Achib Rabbi Yoshe. The pasach says, You shall not hand over a slave to his master, a slave who escapes to you from his master. After a brice relates two to Tanayim's interpretations, Rabbi Achim Rabbi Yoshi explains, The Pusik's discussing a slave who fled from Chutzgarts to Eretz Yisrael, teaching not to return that slave to his master in Chutzgarts. Another brice records Rebbe's interpretation. The Pusik speaks of one who purchases a slave on condition to free him and commands the buyer not to enslave him. The case is explained that the buyer wrote to him, When I buy by value you are acquired to yourself from now. Pointing to the next mission states. One cannot ransom captives for more than their value be made olam for societal benefit, either to avoid the financial burden on the community or not to encourage them to take more captives. One may also not help the captives escape. The Gemara writes a story about escaped captives, Nachman's daughters would stir boiling pots of their hands without being burned. Rav Elish was puzzled by their behavior, assuming that they must be righteous, but the Pasuk in Khala says he could not find a righteous woman, even one in a thousand. He and they were later captured. He heard a raven call out to him, and a man who understands understand birds' language, interpreted it as saying, Ilish Baruch, Ilish Baruch, Ilish flee, Ilish flee." Rav Elish did not trust the raven, but when he was told the same by a dove, to which Kala Yisrael was compared, he recognized it as a sign that he could escape miraculously. He went to check on Rav Nachman's daughters and heard them saying they preferred their captors as husbands over their previous husbands. After miraculously escaping, he concluded that their ability to stir boiling pots in their hands was through sorcery. And pointing with you, the next mission states, One may not buy sifrei Torah, tefillin, or mezuzahs from idolaters for more than their value, for societal benefit, for either of the reasons we have mentioned before. The more infers that one may ransom them for their value, implying that they may be read from. But answers that it may mean to ransom them to put them away, since their status is unknown. Regarding a sefer Torah of an idolater, Rav Nachman says that we have a tradition that if an idolater wrote a sefer Torah, it's put away. If a Torah is found in his possession, some say it should be put away, but some say korimbo. We may read from it because of fake fake a double suffix. A Jew may have written it, and even the idolater may have written it properly. Three opinions of Tanan are quoted about a Sefer Torah written by an idolater. The first is that it must be burned because the tunnel holds that the assumed intent of the idolater is for idolatry. The second is that it must be put away because the tunnel holds an idolater is not eligible to write a Sefer Torah. And the third opinion is that it's fit for use. So once again, the three points are number one. The G'mon relates an incident where a slave once fled from his master, who lived in Chutzlards, to Eretz Yisrael. When the master came to bring him back, Rabbi Ami told him to free him, and the slave would pay his value, because he cannot force him to leave Eretz Yisrael. This is based on a drasha of Rabbi Achibar, Rabbi Yoshe. The Pasek says, You shall not hand over a slave to his master, a slave who escapes to you from his master. After a Brice relates to nine's interpretations, Rabbi Achim Rabbi yoshi explains, The Pasuk discussing a slave who fled from Chutzlarz to Eretz Yisrael teaching not to return that slave to his master in Chutzlarz. Another Brice records Rabbi's interpretation, The Pasuk speaks of one who purchases a slave on condition to free him and commands the buyer not to enslave him. The case is explained that the buyer wrote to him, When I bought you are acquired to yourself from now. Point of it to the next mission states the men One cannot ransom captives for more than their value be made toguna Olam for societal benefit either to avoid the financial burden on the community or not to encourage them to take more captives. One may also not help the captives escape. The Gemara writes a story about escaped captives. Rav Nachman's daughters would stir boiling pots with their hands without being burned. Rav Elish was puzzled by their behavior, assuming that they must be righteous, but the Pasuk in Kahala says he could not find a righteous woman, even one in a thousand. He and they were later captured. He heard a raven call out to him, and a man who understands birds' language interpreted it as saying, Elish Baruch, Elish Baruch, Elish Flee, Ilish flee, Rav Ilish did not trust the raven, but when he was told the same by a dove to which Kala was compared, he recognized it as a sign that he could escape miraculously. He went to check on Rav Nachman's daughters and heard them saying they preferred their captors as husbands over their previous husbands. After miraculously escaping, he concluded that their ability to stir boiling pots in their hands was through sorcery. And pointing with you, the next mission states, One may not buy sifrei Torah, tefillin, or Mazuzas from idolaters for more than their value, for societal benefit, for either of the reasons we've mentioned before mcmore infers that one may ransom them for their value implying that they may be read from but answers that it may mean to ransom them to put them away since their status is unknown regarding a Sefer Torah of an idolater Rav nachman says that we have a tradition that if an idolater wrote a Sefer Torah it's put away if a Torah is found in his possession some say it should be put away but some say korimbo. we may read from it because of fake fake a double suffix. a Jew may have written it and even the idolater may have written it properly Three opinions of Tanan are quoted about a safe written by an idolater. The first is that it must be burned because the tunnel holds that the assumed intent of the idolater is for idolatry. The second is that it must be put away because the tunnel holds that an idolater is not eligible to write a safe And the third opinion is that it's fit for use. All right, so now we go to a mem Hay, and her standard simon is monopoly. Monopoly ma, monopoly mem Hay. Monopoly. So here goes. The slave who ran away from his master in chutzlats to Eretz carrying his green Monopoly board, arrived at a deserted house where he discovered a captive rabbi with two captive sisters stirring boiling pots with their hands and an idolater writing a Sefer Torah on top of a matching green Monopoly board. Once again, it's a motion. The slave who ran away from his master in chutzlats to Eretz carrying his green Monopoly board, Monopoly, that must be more on the slave who ran away from his master in Chutzlats to Eretz Yisrael, carrying his green Monopoly board, which reminds us, it more relates an incident where a slave once fled from his master who lived in Chutzlats to Eretz Yisrael. When the master came to bring him back, Rabbi Ami told him to free him and the slave would pay his value because he could not force him to leave Eretz Yisrael. This is based on a drush of Rabbi Achibar of Yoshia, where the Pasuk says, You shall not hand over a slave to his master, a slave who escapes you from his master. So the slave who ran away from his master in Chutzlats to Eretz Yisrael, carrying his green Monopoly board, arrived at a deserted house where he discovered a captive rabbi with two captive sisters stirring boiling pots with their hands, which reminds the Mishnah states that one cannot ransom captives for more than their value because of Tikkun Olam, and the Gemara relates the story of Rabbi Elish discovering the Rabbi Nachman's daughters, who stirred boiling pots with their hands, were not righteous but were sorcerers. So the slaver ran away from his master in Chutzlach to Eretz Yisrael, carrying his green monopoly board, arrived at a deserted house where he discovered a captive rabbi with two captive sisters stirring boiling pots with their hands, and an idolater writing a Sefer Torah on top of a matching green monopoly board, which reminds us, the next mission states, One may not buy Sefer Torah, Tefillin, or mezuzahs from idolaters for more than their value, but for societal benefit. Three opinions of the Time are quoted about using a safer Torah written by an idolater. So, once again, the slave who ran away from his master in Chutzwarats to Eretz Yisrael, carrying his green Monopoly board, arrived at a deserted house where he discovered a captive rabbi with two captive sisters stirring boiling pots with their hands, and an idolater writing a safer Torah on top of a matching green Monopoly board. Alright, so now it's time for Four Brabach Hazar. Mem Olive. So, the Simur Daf Mem Olive is a grandma. So, here goes. The grandma, grandma. That must be Memola, the grandma with the green hair who designated one of her slaves as an apoteki on a loan to buy some knitting needles and then freed him, which reminds us the mission the previous stuff taught that an evit whose master designated him as an apoteki, as payment to another in case he would be unable to pay, and he freed him, by rights the slave has no obligations, but for Tikkun Olam the master is forced to free him, and the slave pays his value to the master. Ramesh Ram says the one who freed him pays his value, not the slave. Two of them shot him for the melchogas are given. So the grandma with the green hair who designated one of her slaves as an apotekian alone to buy some knitting needles and then freed him, rebuked her two grandsons where one had freed his half of a slave and told him that the poor slave won't be able to marry a shivcha or a nice Jewish girl, which reminds us the next mission states, Misheketio eved Viketio Ben Chorin, one who is half slave and half free man. will say, Ovid is Rabo Yom Echod as atzmo Yom Echot. He works one day for his master and one day for himself. Beshamay object Tikantum is Rabbo Ves atzmo, with Tikantum. You've resolved his master's problem, but you have not resolved his own problem of being unable to marry since he's forbidden to both a slave woman and a free woman. Besil ultimately retracted and ruled like Beshamay. So the grandma with the green hair who designated one of her slaves as an apotichion alone to buy some knitting needles, and then freed him, rebuked her two grandsons, where one had freed his half of his slave, and told them that the poor slave won't be able to marry a shipka or a nice Jewish girl. And that her knitting partner said even one person freeing half his slave via money or get shichur is questionable. Which reminds us, it was taught in the if one frees half his evid, Rebbe says he acquires his freed half and becomes a half slave. But the Chum say it's ineffective and he remains a full slave. Rebbe says that they all agree that a slave can be partially free through money based on a drasha. Their dispute concerns partial freeing through a get shichur, where this method of emancipation is compared to the other method of money or as compared to a get of a woman, which cannot operate partially, Rav Yosef explains that the Tanaim disagree about partial emancipation, both regarding money and regarding a get shechur. Daf Mem So the Simur Daf Mem is a mobster. So here goes the mobster, mobster. That must be more in Daf. Man the mobster in the green pinstripe suit who made the meaningless gesture of telling his two slaves that he gives them each half of his fortune, which reminds us of Bryson taught that one who writes his possessions over to his two slaves teaches that the slaves do not even acquire themselves, is where he said he gives half to each slave. So even if he gave to both simultaneously, he may have to give the same half to each slave, leaving each one second half. For himself. So the mobster in the green pinstripe suit, who made the meaningless gesture of telling his two slaves that he gives them each half of his fortune, was furious when his half freed Evan was gored by a bull on the day that he worked for himself, which reminds us that Gamora says that if an ox gores a half slave, if he was gored on a day that his work belongs to his master, damages are paid to his master. But if he was gored on the day that his work belongs to himself, the damages are paid to himself. Still, he cannot marry a slave woman on his master's day and a free woman on his day because we cannot say his status changes daily regarding prohibition. Only monetary arrangements can be divided this way. So the mobster in the green pinstripe suit who made the meaningless gesture of telling his two slaves that he gives them each half of his fortune was furious when his half freed Ebed was gored by a bull on the day that he worked for himself. And was told that he may not be able to collect kenas for the ever that he freed, but was awaiting a get shikhr which reminds us the Gemara asks, M'ukab get shikhr, a slave who has been freed but needs a get shikhr, yeshul kenas does he have the law of kenas that if he is killed by someone's animal, the owner pays the master thirty shekel, or not? Do we say that since the Pasuk says the money is given la'adunav to his master, and this master who has no monetary ownership is not a true master, or do we say that since he still requires a get shikhr, he is still called his master? Dof Mem So the similar Dof Mem Gimel is a magazine. So here goes. The master flipping through the pages of his green slave market magazine. Magazine? That must be more Mem Gimel. The master flipping through the pages of his green slave market magazine to see if a slave of his kanas rights to his slave was valid. Which reminds us, at the end of the previous duff a question was asked, Evish Mikhal Rabul Kenas, a slave whom the master sold only for rights to the Kanas, which would be paid if he's killed by someone else's animal, is this sale valid? This question is expressed in the context of Mohokis Hanaim regarding regarding whether Adam Makhna olam, a person can transfer that which does not yet exist. So the master flipping through the pages of his green slave market magazine to see if a sale of his kanas rights to a slave was valid. Sat next to his wife, who was engrossed reading her Shaduchim for Slaves magazine, with the cover picture of a half-slave being Makadish, a free woman, which reminds us, the Gemara asks, Misha Chetzio ben Chorin, Shikidash bas Chorin Maru, one who is half-slave and half-free man, who is Makadish a free woman, what's the halacha, meaning is the marriage effective for his free half? The questions explained, even if we say about a free Yisro who said to a free woman, be married to half of me, that the marriage is valid, that may be the chazil kuleh, because she's fit for all of them, meaning a full marriage, but perhaps a half-slave who's incapable of a full marriage cannot perform a half-marriage either. On the other hand, even if we say that kaddushin of a free man who says, be married to half of me, is not valid, that may be the Shire b'kinyadu, because he left out part of his acquisition by not making complete kaddushin, but with a half-slave whose entire freed half is marrying her, the condition could be effective. So the master flipping through the pages of his green slave market magazine to see if his sale of his knas rights to a slave was valid, sat next to his wife who was engrossed reading her Shadukim for Slaves magazine with a cover picture of a half-slave being Makadish, a free woman, which included a fascinating interview with a half-slave woman who married someone and then married someone else after being freed. Which reminds us that more discusses what is the din if a half-slave woman marries someone, then becomes fully freed, and then marries someone else. Daf Mem doled, so the similar duff Mem is mud, so here goes. The muddy slave mud, that must mean Daf Mem Dalad. The muddy slave who was forcibly taken by an idolater, collecting on a debt, which reminds us, the Mishan Duff Mem Gimam Beis taught that one who sells a slave to an idolater must buy him back and set him free. A bright here state said if an idolater forcibly collected the slave for his debt, or an extortionist took him, Will Yatzel Kheris, he does not go free since he was not willingly sold. So the muddy slave who was forcibly taken by an idolater, collecting on a debt, was put to work in a mud pit next to a slave who was sold to the idolater, who was praying his master's son would have to buy him back after his father died, which reminds us, Rabbi asks asked Rabbi Asi, Machra one who sold the slave to an idolater and then died, Maushi Iknus, who has been no of what's a halacha, regarding penalizing his son who inherits the estate to require him to buy back the slave. So the muddy slave who was forcibly taken by an idolater, collecting on a debt, was put to work work in a mud pit next to a slave who was sold to the idolater who was praying his master's son would have to buy him back after his father died from shock when he found out he'd have to refund the money from the muddy field he sold during Yehovah which reminds us one who sells his field during Yehovah itself during which fields previously sold are returned to the original owners Shmuel ruled that the sale is not valid and he must refund the money all right so now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions number one which stuff to be discussed what the halacha is if a chetzi evit chetzi ben chorin is Mekadosh a free woman? That's on Duff. Mem Gimel. Good number two. Which stuff to be discussed what to do in a case of a safer Torah written by an idolater or found in his possession? That's on Duff. Mem hey. Good number three. Which stuff to learn that an evit forcibly taken by an idolater as collection on a debt is not bought back and set free? That's on Duff. Memdahl. Good number four. Which of the one writes his possessions over to his two slaves? Where he gives half to each slave. The slaves do not even acquire themselves. That's on duff. Mem Good number five. Which of to discuss if a master's sale of his rights to his slave's canas is valid. That's on duff. Mem Gimel. Good number six. Wish of to discuss ransoming captives or helping them escape and the story of Elish and Rav Nachman's daughters. That's on duff. Memheg. Good number seven, which stuff do we discuss one who sold a slave to an idolater and then died, what the halacha is regarding penalizing a son? That's on Duff. Memdal. Good number eight, which stuff do we discuss what the halacha is if a slave runs away from his master and to Eretz Yisrael? That's on Duff. Memhe. Good number nine, which of them when the purchase money is refunded for land sold during Yovel? That's on Duff. Mem, Dal, good. And number 10, we should have to learn about activities which prove that a slave has been freed, such as marrying a free woman or wearing tefillin. That's on da? Mem. Excellent. That comes today's share. This is everybody. I've you a great day and great learning.